0: Well good morning. I hope you're enjoying the summer. I personally am enjoying it. Uh, I had the opportunity uh, to spend some time up in Tioga County and appreciating the beauty that is up there and walking the uh, Pine Creek Trail into the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. And uh, what's interesting is many of you may have just heard that phrase for the first time. There is a Grand Canyon in Pennsylvania and it is gorgeous, it is beautiful. I would encourage you to travel up there and experience it because you'll discover why in Romans 1 it says that he has made it to where nobody can excuse the idea that there is a God because he has placed it in creation so evidently that he is here. And uh, so one of the most beautiful places is uh, that Grand Canyon up there, up north. And so encourage a visit there. And, uh, and I find it beautiful around here. The corn looks great, uh, although you got to watch on the corners. Sometimes you can't see what's coming around that, the bend, but uh, it's beautiful. We could be thankful that God is providing for our farmers in the area, and, uh, and it looks like it'll be a good crop. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms. And uh, Psalm, we're going to be beginning in Psalm 26, and so if you could turn there, just to give you again context to what we're doing here this morning, uh, we are part of a series that's called Recalibrate, and this was birthed out of understanding that we, we can see that while there are many that claim to be followers of Christ, uh, unfortunately, what we don't see is how Christ is on display. We often will speak through righteous things or just things, but meanwhile, as we're speaking into society, because one might be alarmed by what we're seeing going on in society, we speak into it, but we speak without the spirit or intent that Christ would speak. And this has been alarming. Many of you have seen in social media how people who use God and Jesus' name and they speak uh, in vitriol language or uh, angry tones and, and it just is not constructive to the gospel. And yet those things are important to be said but spe- said with a motive of loving and seeking the heart uh, to be able to draw the heart to Jesus and doing so in a spirit that reflects the spirit of Christ. And so what do we do? Well, we do what Paul charged the church of Galatia to do. He said that we are using our freedom, uh, for those of us who have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we've used that freedom sometimes for our own selfish gain, for personal uh, benefit, and also with abuse, where we use it as a harmful tool towards other people. And, And so he spoke that... You can tell when you are doing that, when you look at the fruits of the flesh, the fruits of the flesh are discord, dissension, anger, debauchery, things that, that will destroy relationships, not build them up. And so then he gives, well, then there is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is that which you can tell. The evidence of God's nature is upon that person. And so that's why we're calling this recalibrate is that we want to calibrate our lives not to the flesh but to the spirit of God so that the evidences of God become what is seen. So the fruit of the Spirit's found in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 and it says this. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law now why are you looking behind me so this is a geyser going off what do you think the name of this particular geyser is Old old faithful so what fruit of the spirit are we going to talk about today Faithfulness, right. This is the smartest group in Lancaster County. (laughs) I had the privilege of going to Yellowstone National Park three years ago. And what I was surprised by is like, you know, all my years growing up, I knew about Old Faithful. People talked about it. You saw pictures of it. But I had no clue that Old Faithful was a part of a basin with multiple geysers. And that there were multiple geysers with names. And so when we visited there, we're walking this area. And, and there's a little bit of information about the geyser you're standing near. And and it tells you that how often it goes off and how high it shoots water into the air. Uh, but, you know, none of them are known except for Old Faithful. And the reason why Old Faithful is known is because this one operates almost like a clock it's not quite fixed but they know that within pretty much a 10 minute window of time as to when it will go off and so when you show up at the park they'll say the next uh a blast of water coming out of that ge- geyser will be at a particular time between this time and this time and it's usually about a 10 minute window so we arrived there, we see the 10 minute window, we've got some time. So we began to walk around this geyser basin and actually several geysers went off while we were there. But I was very fascinated by this one geyser that that hasn't gone off in, you know, almost 50 years and they say that when it shoots, it goes off higher than any other. And so I was very fascinated by that one and ironically that geyser went off like two weeks after we were there. And it hadn't gone off since 1960-something, and it went off several times in the year 2019. So who knew, right? But Old Faithful, the reason why it gets it is because it is static, it is constant, it is reliable, it is trustworthy that it will indeed go off almost hourly, it, and, and it can pretty much tell within a few minutes when it will go off. And so people are fascinated by something that is that constant and consistent that you can trust in, that it gets visited by people from all over the world. Well, the term faithful has that meaning. I mean, when we use it, we might use it as something that is reliable or constant. You can count on it. You might even marvel at somebody that you would say is just shown trustworthiness over their lifetime. But think about how you can define faithfulness more by its opposite, you know, in the sense of unfaithful. When you think about somebody who is unfaithful, you think, It's a person that didn't fulfill expectations. You cannot count on them. They didn't uh, support the, the relational vows that they took on. They no longer can be trusted. They're no longer sought out. When you think about an unfaithful person, it makes you better appreciate when you can say that person is faithful they can be trusted they do not waver the term in the greek in the, in the new testament is found in galatians is the term pistis and it means good faith in other words the right kind of faith or honesty and even the term integrity aligns well with it not wavering walking the walk in the Hebrew context of the Old Testament it would be a term that is also using the term constant or trustworthy or reliable and those terms are either aman or amuna again everything is about you can trust it it's unwavering it is trustworthy so when god says i see that my people are ones that live out with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That faithfulness, peace is an aspect about God that is often missing in his people that bear his name. We often are not so reliable, constant, or trustworthy but yet, this is not to be the case. God calls us into relationship with him that as the Spirit does his work in us, we should be known as faithful people that do not violate our relational vows, do not uh, go, uh, let expectations go unfulfilled, that we are trustworthy, we don't break relationships, and because of that, people should seek us out. But again, what is often true, that which is true of God is not often lived out so well by his people. And yet we're called into that level of godliness to live as he would live by the power of the spirit in us. So to best appreciate this term, we're gonna go on a biblical journey. I can't point to one text as it's the entirety of scripture that that bears witness to the faithfulness of God that we are then ascribing to, to say, Lord, let that be more true of me. And so we're going to begin in Psalm, and we're going to discover that God is the standard of constant reliability and trustworthiness. You'll see throughout the Old Testament, especially as we read from David and Solomon this morning, that God is the standard of constant reliability and trustworthiness. Beginning in verse 3 of Psalm 26 says, for I have also been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. This is David talking. After he's just said to the Lord, test me, Lord, try me, examine my heart and, and know my mind. And he says, for I have been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness, God. Now what you're going to see this morning in the text that we read is that love and faithfulness go hand in hand. In fact they're they're hitched together multiple times in the Psalm, in the Proverbs, and again, even in the New Testament. It is a, a partnership that when there is love and motivation, there is faithfulness in how it is applied among other people. So in this, you see that David is speaking that, listen, if you test me, God, you're gonna know and see that I am mindful of your love and I rely upon your faithfulness. Later in this message, we are going to look and see an example of how this is true of David, that he was indeed mindful of God's love and was fully relying upon the trustworthiness or the faithfulness of God. He also writes, though, before we get to that story, in Psalm 36, verse five, so just turn over a few pages. David is again writing, and he says, your love, Lord, verse five, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. We sing a song that mentions that phrase. "That Your love, Lord, it reaches the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies, which is basically David speaking of. And again, keep in mind, he's already said, God, I am mindful of your love and I rely upon your faithfulness. And now he describes it is that your love and faithfulness, God, is so far reaching that it's beyond the heavens and the skies that we see with our eyes, which is the furthest distance that a human being can see is that God's love and faithfulness is beyond anything that a human being could reach. So, therefore, if God is the standard of reliability and trustworthiness, in other words, his faithfulness, it is something that is beyond us. It is a standard that is so significant, it cannot be contained by what our mind could describe. Which then causes David to say this in Psalm 40. So, just a couple more chapters to the right. In Psalm 40, verse 10, he goes... I do not hide your righteousness, God, in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So what does David do? He says, God, I am mindful of your love. I rely upon your trustworthiness, your faithfulness, your constant And I recognize that it's beyond anything I can conceive, but I will not fail to share it with another. He will not withhold it from the assembly. In fact, when he would gather the people, he would speak of the love and faithfulness of God, not the accounts of, look what I've done in battle for Israel, look what I've done for you, look at how you should honor me. No, David said, when there is a gathering of the great assembly, I will speak Of the love and faithfulness of God. Because that's where I rely. That's what I trust in. Is in him. And so he was not going to withhold it from those that were around him. So then it makes a lot of sense. That if this is how David felt about the love and faithfulness of God. That he would pass on these truths to his son Solomon. And Solomon, we know that when he was given the kingdom, he prayed to God saying, God, I I need wisdom. I need wisdom on how to lead this nation. And God granted him wisdom that was beyond the wisdom of any man prior to him and after, according to scripture. And then we get to read snapshots of what Solomon was processing through when he was writing down some of his wisdom literature and so in this, you can tell in the Proverbs that, that David had a profound impact on his son Solomon because you see love and faithfulness written multiple times in the book of Proverbs. And each time it was, was reflecting off of, this is who God is, and it needs to be applied in my life. But I wanna say that in all the wisdom of Solomon, there is a moment of clarity that is very prophetical. That we're going to see in Proverbs chapter sixteen, verse six, and this statement you will be held true. And you'd be thinking, I would talk about a New Testament statement when I make this this uh, phrase come true. It says, "If not for God's love and faithfulness, the cross would never happen." And if I was to tell you that phrase and say that that came from the Old Testament, you'd be shocked. But it's true. If not for God's love and faithfulness, the cross would have never happened. And I get that from Solomon. Proverbs chapter 16, verse six, and it says this. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Solomon was so profoundly impacted by what he had heard from his father, what had been taught him, and the example by how his father lived, trusting and relying upon the faithfulness of God, that Solomon is able to declare in all his wisdom that it's through the love and faithfulness of God that sin is atoned for. The cross ultimately was not a duty Of Jesus Christ, but was love on display, and it was the fulfillment of all that God had promised and said would happen. His love and faithfulness is what led to Jesus doing what he did on our behalf. We know that it says it was because the God loved his creation, that he sent his son Jesus into the world and, and to die for us. And so love was the instigator, but it was the faithfulness to all the prophecies that he'd been telling to all those who had gone and lived throughout those Old Testament times that he said, I will make it an atonement. There will be a payment that is final. Love and faithfulness of God is how sin is atoned for. Even from the very beginning, when you see how when Abraham was told, take your son, the one that God said will be the one I'll build a mighty nation out of. Take that son, take him to the hills of Moriah and have him killed there, sacrificed out of your love for me. What did Abraham do? He went and he took his son Fulfilled it to the fullest degree because he trusted in the faithfulness of God. We know in the book of Hebrews that it says that, 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 Mo, that Abraham was able to assume and presume that, well, God said he's going to be the father of many nations. And so I'm going to trust that he's going to resurrect my son from the dead because he believed in the love and faithfulness of God. And as a result, by the faith that was displayed by Abraham on that hill, which, by the way, became the hills of Jerusalem, the same place that the final atonement would take place later, it was there that God provided a lamb. In fact, this case, a ram that was stuck with his horns in the bush. And so instead of killing Isaac, God provided, out of his love and his faithfulness, provided a means of atonement and thus began the clear storyline that God's love and faithfulness was constant even when the nation of Israel was unfaithful God continued to be faithful I am going to supply and there will be an atonement which then leads me to say this our level of faithfulness does not determine God's level of faithfulness. Our level of faithfulness does not affect, determine, or in a negative way, impact the faithfulness of God. I get that out of Romans chapter three, verse three, where it says, what if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And the answer is no, it will not. Our unfaithfulness might distort some people's view of God's faithfulness, but God in, in sheer reality of his character, he will continue to be faithful even when we're not. Just as there are husbands and wives that take on those vows at their, uh, on the day of their wedding ceremony and one remains faithful and the other one becomes unfaithful. So too God lives that out where he continues to be faithful and continues to love on his bride in spite of the bride, us, those who claim to be followers of him by faith. Even when we become faithless or unfaithful, God continues to be faithful because he loves us. He doesn't detach love at any point even when we become so unloving. Now I mentioned that David said, "I am one that is mindful of the love of God, and I rely upon his faithfulness." that I would then bring an actual story into this, where being faithful, according to David, being faithful is a reliance upon God for the outcomes of life. And you see this in David, where he trusted in the faithfulness of God to provide for the outcomes. When David sometimes had opportunity to create the outcomes, he would withhold to make sure that God determined the outcomes. Case in point, we know, if you know the story of David at all, is that he was that shepherd that was anointed to become the next king. But there was already a king that God had despised, that God had already rejected, and that was King Saul. Saul. King Saul and David's relationship came into contact when David came and fought Goliath and and was able to kill the giant. And and as a result, uh, Saul brought him in and made him his armor bearer. David also became a spiritual advisor, if you will, when Saul would be troubled in spirit. He would bring David in and David would play his harp and bring uh, soothing spirit to King Saul's troubled spirit. But as time grew on, David's influence grew. Saul's influence waned. Jealousy began to rise up. Word had come to his ears that Samuel, who had anointed him king, had now anointed David to be the replacement to King Saul. So none of Saul's family would actually be the ones that would be his successor. It was going to be a new family. You can only imagine how this hit The soul of Saul. God's blessing is being removed, and now he's chosen other. As time grew on, even though David was faithful to King Saul, Saul became enraged towards David and multiple times tried to kill David. David had to go on the run with some of his men. They went to this place south of Jerusalem and hid. Saul went after him. And I've been to this place. This is a, quite a ravine where it's just beautiful and lush because there's water that runs down the bottom of it. But the hills along the side of it were dry and arid. And there are caves along the top. And David and his men were hiding in those caves. Well, Saul and his men went into this area and knowing that this is the one, one of the few places you can find fresh water, maybe they can find David there. While they're looking Saul needs to to use the bathroom. It's the best term I can use. It's not found in scripture, but it does say that he went to relieve himself. So he goes into a cave to do this in privacy, not realizing that the very cave he chose was where David and his men were hiding. David was given the opportunity to kill his adversary. And his men are like, Do it. This is your chance. The Lord has given given Saul into your hand. But David refused to kill him. So what did he do? He goes up and cuts a piece of of Saul's robe off. Saul leaves the cave not realizing that he had just been under threat. Goes down to the deep valley below. And then he hears this yelling from the very cave that he had just left. And there's David holding the piece of his robe. David says this and yells, the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and their faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. So what's going on in this case? David clearly had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he chose not to. So who was he relying upon to become the next king? He was relying upon God. He relied upon that God's word that's saying, you will become king. He trusted that God was going to make that happen, not for David to make it his own cause. God trusted in the character of God. God the love of God, and the faithfulness of God. And what came to fruition? Without David spilling blood, David became king. And he became king by God's way, not his own way. Even though David had the ability to win that day, he's like, this is God's job. I will let him bring it about Which then makes sense that why David would say in the Psalms, the love and faithfulness of God is upon my mind and I rely upon it daily. I rely upon it daily because if we rely upon the faithfulness of God, then we will not be as prone to mistake as many of us do when we try to help God out. Think about Abraham. Abraham wasn't always perfectly faithful. He decided to help God out when God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But as time went on, no child. And they were very old. So let's help God out. Let's help God out so that he can be known as faithful. So he takes on a servant the servant to his wife, and takes her as his own. And she becomes the mother of Ishmael. If you know anything about history, because Abraham chose to help God out so that God could be seen as faithful rather than trusting in the faithfulness of God, then today Israel would not be surrounded by nations that are considered its enemy. You see, Ishmael became the father of the enemies of Abraham's seed, Isaac. But David did not take things into his own hand, and therefore God showed himself faithful and filled with love. And so David could write what he's written so that you and I could benefit. Why should David withhold that information that God is filled with love to the heavens? and his, and his uh, faithfulness is to the skies. I will not withhold that from the assembly. I will tell those uh, that come into my presence about God because David had experienced what it means to rely truly upon the faithfulness and love of God. I want us to turn to Proverbs chapter three right now as we get towards the end of this message In Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to discover that we can experience God when we live out a life of love and faithfulness. Let me say that again. We can experience God when we live out a life of love and faithfulness. Because if God is love and faithfulness, as David described, then what do we do when it says we are to walk by the Spirit and we become godly, as Peter said in 2 Peter 1, that we'll become like him in his character, therefore experiencing his love and faithfulness. Solomon, again, before the cross has ever happened, in his wisdom says this in verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. If you were to join the military, where do they put your identity? Around your neck. Dog tags. It's to make sure that you're not just a number on the battlefield, but that you're somebody. And so when when Solomon realizes through his understanding of God, he says, let the love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck. Let it become your identity. Then he says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 22, just a few pages to the right, Solomon goes on to say, do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good Will find love and faithfulness. Again, the two hitched together. Those who plan good as God describes good will find love and faithfulness. Because they'll experience the love and faithfulness of God as they're living out his goodness. And then Solomon says once again in, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 28, says, love And faithfulness. And now he's speaking as a personal testimony. Love and faithfulness will keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. You see, what he's discovered as a man with power and authority and influence is that if you eliminate all your adversaries and those who threaten you, you're only creating more enemies and more adversaries. But a king who loves his people and is faithful to the people he serves and leads, his throne will be established for generations. And this is the truth. God said, I will, because of my love for David, there will never cease to be A person on that throne. And that is when we come to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the love and faithfulness of God. But it was given as an opportunity through the line of David because David was love filled with love and faithfulness towards God. He relied upon the character of God, and thus it became the character of David, which then he was able to give to his son Solomon. Who then charged us? Let love and faithfulness be what we pursue and write around our, put it around our neck as our identity. All because of God. Let's pray. God, I recognize that you are faithful even when we're unfaithful. You are faithful to those that you have promised things even when they defy you because you love them. Your love and faithfulness, as David wrote, is beyond our ability to see its ends. And we rely upon that If we were to remove your faithfulness from the storyline of scriptures, we wouldn't worship with such confidence today. We wouldn't be able to declare with such absoluteness that you are worthy of our trust. But you are God, filled with the purest sense of love, with the highest commitment of faithfulness. So we will sing of you. And yes, as love and faithfulness are hitched together, we will also hitch our wagons to your spirit so you can make those two things reality in our lives, that we become a loving and faithful people. So do that work in us now to your glory, especially as we sing of your faithfulness which you are worthy of our words and our songs. Amen.
1: Amen. We're going to close out our service by singing of the confidence that we can have in God's faithfulness. In Hebrews 11, it talks about our faith and it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we cannot see. The most difficult times to rest in God's faithfulness are when we, we struggle to see, when we struggle to have confidence in what God has promised us. But his promise stands and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Church, let's stand as we sing and put our hope in him. of his promise.
0: We didn't sing to anybody's name here in this room. We didn't sing to about anybody that would be a leader of our great nation. We didn't sing about the great presence of the past or the great emperors of the past. We sang about God, the creator God, Yahweh. And we're singing it of his son, Jesus who is the embodiment of all that God intended for mankind to experience while in this body. That indeed, God is the one who is faithful. He is the one that is filled with love and faithfulness that we can sing about, we can honor, we can worship. So when you experience the unfaithfulness of others here on this earth, let's remember that is not God. Sometimes spiritual leaders fail and people begin to think that God has failed them. That is not God. God is faithful. God is love. Do not let that which pains you, that which has caused you harm by the unfaithfulness of mankind ever cause you to think that is a reflection of him. It's because of him that when we are broken and harmed and hurt or victimized that we can then have hope because there is a God who cuts through all of that and whose character is different from anything we experience with humankind. So it's my prayer that you'll find healing today by realigning with the spirit of God who desires for his divine nature to be experienced by us, by his divine power. Because he knows we need and we are restored when there is genuine love and genuine faithfulness. If you'd like to pray with someone this morning, there'll be people in the encounter room that would be glad to spend some time praying with you. But receive this as a charge. If you're looking for faithfulness among mankind, you only found your, find yourself to be wanting. But when you run into somebody who's encountered God, whose divine faithfulness is being instilled in them, you'll begin to catch a glimpse of just how beautiful God's character is. And we're in need of it. So may the Lord see in us a growth of faithfulness of, of, faithfulness in us, where John, in his account in 3 John 3, when he says, it gives me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. So may John be able to write the same thing of us. It gives him joy as he hears the testimony of our faithfulness, that we continue to walk as we've received from God himself. Amen you are dismissed.